2005 Southern California Harvest Podcast 11. Greetings and welcome to this special crusade edition of A Time for Harvest. These podcasts are brought to you by Harvest Ministries at harvest.org in partnership with the Godcast Network. I'm Steve Webb, host of the LifeSpring Podcast at lifespringpodcast.com, which is a proud member of the Godcast Network found at godcast.org. You know, in most areas of life, success is either lost or gained in the follow-through. In this podcast, you'll see that they really understand that principle at the Harvest Crusades. You'll also hear from someone who's had his life and family radically changed for the good after he attended the very first Harvest Crusade. It's an inspiring story that really shows the healing that can come through a relationship with Christ. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Before we get to that, please let me remind you of some important websites and email addresses. First, if you'd like to, or have recently made a decision to follow Christ, please check out knowgod.org. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D dot org. If you'd like to help Harvest Ministries put Bibles in the hands of new believers, go to harvest.org slash STW. And for a free online daily devotional from Pastor Greg Laurie, check out harvest.org slash devotional. To subscribe to Harvest Podcasts, surf on over to harvestpodcast.org. And lastly, to email Greg Laurie, his address is greg at harvest.org. Now, Harvest Crusades are about introducing people to Jesus Christ in such a way that they see the value in beginning a relationship with Jesus. Pastor Greg Laurie invites these new believers to walk down to an area by the stage where he talks with them about this decision that they're making, and he prays with them. After that, they're given a new Bible, free of charge. Now, included in that Bible is an information card that the new believer is asked to fill out. Now, there's no pressure to fill it out, but all that's asked on the card is the person's name and address. That information is only used to send to a church in that person's local area so that a church close to them can welcome them into the family of God and invite them to church. There's never any pressure, and the information is never sold or used for any other purpose. It's just so that the new believer can get the support they need to get their new life started on the right foot. Listen now as Pastor Paul Eaton of Harvest Ministries in Riverside, California, gives us a quick look at what happens with these cards at Saturday night's 2005 Southern California Harvest at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, California. This is Pastor Paul with Harvest Outreach Ministries, and I'm down in the lower parts of the Anaheim Stadium in what we call the sorting room. And this is where all the cards that these new believers have filled out that were in the New Believers Bibles are taken. And what takes place here is these cards are sorted and they're routed to various churches in the area where the person who responded to Christ lives and they'll be sent an invitation to attend a church. It's quite a scientific process, actually. They hit a main box where they're sorted into regions and those regions are then taken to a particular table and given to a specific church. And then that specific church will send out a welcome letter, welcoming them, the new believer, to the family of God and inviting them 
to a New Believers Bible study. It's quite a process going on here. About 200 people involved in total. And uh, really, it is a labor of love. All of these people are volunteers putting their <laughs> time aside to do this because they love those folks who've come to Christ, even though they might not even know them. Do you know how many churches are represented here in the room today? Probably a couple of hundred. We just got the cards divided into regions. We go by church first, the church that brought them, then we, we put it in that box because we want them to be followed up right away. And you're doing this tonight? It'll all be done tonight and mail tonight to invite them to a new believers class and to be fellowship and to follow up. So I'm looking out at a group of probably 150 to 200 people, many of them sitting at tables with boxes. They're going to address these uh, welcome letters, welcome to the family of God that will go to the new believers. There's a real sense of camaraderie in the room and excitement. Everyone has a smile on their face. It's getting to be after 10 o'clock here. These things are going to take as long as it takes. We've been here sorting cards well into the night, but uh, everyone is very upbeat. Everyone is very happy about what's going on. Now that's lots of dedicated people who want to see all these new believers get the best start possible, learning as much as possible about how to grow their relationship with Jesus. Does a relationship with Jesus really change a life? It absolutely does. Here's just one example. Greg Monk was born into what appeared to be the all-American family. The youngest of three brothers, it was as a preteen that his life was about to change dramatically, including cocaine use with his own father. Listen now to his amazing story and how an invitation to a Harvest Crusade completely changed his future. It was my mom and dad and then my, my two brothers. So it was a total of three brothers, and I was the youngest of the kids. We moved out here when I was about five years old. So it was 1975, and we moved to Fountain Valley. And it was, uh, it was great. You know, on the outside, we were all American. You know, I had a beautiful mom and a great dad and uh, had a dog, and we just, we were, we were an American family. And it wasn't until I got a little older that, you know, I started seeing some of the, you know, the realities of what kind of family we were, though. And uh, my mom's East Coast, and really couldn't talk about problems. Everybody's got problems. Let's not really talk about it. What I, what I come to find out as I got older was my dad was an alcoholic, you know, a heroin addict, coke addict. Yeah, it's, it was, you know, for my dad, you know, it started, as so many people, I think for my dad, he, you know, just was living life. He, you know, went to, went to high school and went to college, went to Wake Forest, played football, hanging out with the boys, going to parties, and then met a, met a girl, got married, had some kids, and then it never really stopped for him, you know, the partying. And then he moved out here to California, and then, you know, the partying continued, and then alcohol turned to marijuana, and then from the marijuana, it turned into uh, freebasing, and then, and then he started doing cocaine, and then heroin, and then heroin uh, ripped him away from my family, you know, and it was just, uh, it got, you know, worse and worse, and it, it really started, the alcohol really started to get bad when I was about eight years old, and then from there, it just escalated up until I was about in high school. And uh, my dad was doing cocaine, and I would uh, go on drug runs with my dad. And uh, I did actually, I did cocaine with my dad when I was in seventh grade. And his, his, his excuse then was, I'd rather you do it with me than with your friends. And so I'm shooting lines with my dad. And then, it, and then he got worse and worse. As his, as his usage escalated, he spent more and more time away from home. 
And so with him being away from home, he'd start to miss a lot of events. You know, he missed uh, like 10th, 11th, and 12th birthdays. And he would kind of be gone, you know, for four days, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, come back and lay on a couch for a few days, and then be out for the weekend again. And it just, it, it got worse and worse. And then he started getting arrested for drunk driving and started getting arrested for different things. And he'd be in and out of jail, become a burden on our family. We'd have to move. You know, I moved like 13 different times in Fountain Valley, you know, in a period of about uh, 10 years and just constant and evictions and different things. And, you know, the kind of the family working together to, to bail my dad out of jail. And as, as these events would happen, you know, he would always promise he wouldn't do it again. And the promises kept on coming. So he said he wouldn't do it again. He'd stop for a short time and we'd kind of wrap his arms around him. And he kept on cutting him off every time, just failing, you know, with this addiction that was just, you know, destroying him. And it just kept on happening, happening. And as every time it happened, I, I got harder and more angry towards my dad. And, and it kind of escalated, you know, when I was uh, in, uh, Orange, at Orange Coast College. I was a freshman there. And he went off... Uh, when, when he was going his long stance, but he never came back this time. And so it was uh, about six months total time. And, uh, you know, we actually went out a couple of times looking for him because we wanted to kill him. We just wanted him out of our lives. He caused so much trouble and pain. It just escalated there, and I had a, just a hatred for my dad. I'd come in, and it was, it was very much like, a, like in some situations I was the parent and he was the child where I'd come in and he'd be drunk and we'd get in fights. The first person I really hit was my dad in anger. And all this taking place through this process, you know, he kept getting worse. And there was a time where he said, you know, I want to, you know, let's go to church. So we, we went to a church for about 30 days. And then we stopped going to church. And at that, during those 30 days, it was, you know, hey, I love the Lord and all that. And then 30 days later, he was, you know, back doing the same thing. So I was about 10, 11, 12 uh, that, that time. And, you know, for me, I just saw that and I said, hey, man. Jesus is just like shooting up a drug, you know. Instead of shooting up heroin, he's just shooting up God. You know, what, what's the use, you know? I'm going to make it through my life on my own. So it, as a, at a young age, I had a teenage, teenage years, I had a very independent attitude towards life. You know, I'm going to do it on my own. I don't need anybody. I'm going to make it. And I kind of kind of molded who I was. And, you know, I, I was very lonely, you know. I didn't, uh, at, at the time, as he got worse and would go away, my brother went off to college and it was pretty much a lot of times just me and my mom at home. And so, uh, and my mom was struggling with, you know, my father being gone and in and out of jail. And it was very traumatic for her. She had to support the family and the best she could. And so we had, there was tension between her and I. It just wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great situation. And uh, I started, uh, I think the first drink I had when I was in sixth grade, when there'd be parties at the house and my dad would be partying with my brother's friends and started drinking young. and. Uh, so in, in high school, um, you know, I, I focused all my attention on football and beer, drinking and parties and, and girls. And that, that was my focus. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't into drugs really because my dad was, I saw what drugs did to him, you know. But uh, I was warped because you know, alcohol, I guess, was okay. So I was destroying my life in alcohol. And um, that was my attention. That was my focus. It, it just, uh, I was going down that same path I was, that my, my dad was going on. And, uh, but yeah, me, I wasn't doing drugs, but I had anger. I had, you know, the, the alcohol abuse that I was uh, getting into. And it just, I wasn't going down a great path. I was, I went to, I graduated high school from Fountain Valley. I went to Orange Coast College, played a year of football. And then I was just looking at my life. And, and at that time, that was the, 
right after high school is when it got really bad. My dad was gone for a period of time, and my mom was thinking about moving back east, and she wound up moving back east. And I thought, what am I going to do? And you know, uh, school, I'm just, I'm really not focusing on it. Um, you know, I'm, I got passing grades, but I'm not really putting attention to it. I got to do something. I got to start a new life for me. So I said, hey, why don't I join the Marine Corps? So I actually signed up with a buddy, and so in March of '89. I went into boot camp in the United States Marine Corps. So I got out of uh, boot camp, was stationed at Pendleton, then I would uh, come up and hang with friends. And then I was out one night, you know, I wasn't a Christian then, and I was just partying with some friends. And uh, I know this is girl, Kimberly, that I'd, I'd known in high school, but really not, you know, paying attention to, and, and, and met her on the dance floor and uh, through, through mutual friends. And so uh, we started to date. Uh, she invited me to this uh, Sunday night church called Coast Light in Huntington Beach. And uh, we went there, and it was a church of about 50 people. I went because she invited me. I went because this beautiful girl asked you know, me to go. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll go. She's, and kind of let all my inhibitions before about church and you know, my dad and all that just go. And kind of I'm focusing on this new life. And I, was, I went for her. And so I started to go, and then uh, they had contemporary music and even though it was a small church, I really liked the feel of it. And it was a really cool pastor, uh, Pastor Dan Pantano. And I started asking a lot of questions about why is this and why is that? Why is there starvation? All the questions, you know, they're difficult to answer. But he tried to answer them as best he could. And so I, I started going there on Sunday nights and just, you know, they didn't make a commitment, but just started checking it out. And about that time, Iraq invaded Kuwait and I was slotted to go. And I started looking at my life and looking at my eternity and what happens when I die. And just started asking questions. And it was that same time I was going to church on Sunday nights. And then my brother Rob had just become a Christian, my oldest brother. Uh, my mom's still back east. And my oldest brother became a Christian and uh, with his own journey, his own path. And, and he invited me to this thing called the Harvest Crusade, the first Harvest Crusade. And, and I said, uh, Kimberly said, hey, why don't you go? Why don't we go? And she had just recommitted her life to Christ. So I went and... and uh, I went uh, every night that they had it, and I watched everybody go forward every night, and I was just kind of, you know, I want to see to believe kind of thing, and this was, you know, really hesitant. And then last night, Greg said some profound things. He just said, hey, you know, it's, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. And he goes, uh, it's not about the denominations, it's about, you know, do you believe uh, in Jesus of the Bible? And if you can say yes to those things, then Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. And man, it just... Something clicked through those, those nights going there that last night. And he, he'd give an invitation. People started to go forward. And I just started to weep. And I just I started to think about my past. And it's amazing. I've, I've given my testimony hundreds of times. And the power of that transformation that night is unbelievable. Because this, the, the transformation power of what Christ can do in someone's life is so tremendous. And, and I said yes to God. And I stood up. And I remember Kimberly grabbed my hand and said, you want me to go with you? I said, no. I just, I'm going to go, it's just, I got to, I have, I, I have to have a relationship with God. I need this. And I remember sitting there praying and just a, in an aisle somewhere, it was so packed and just crying to the Lord, saying, Lord, if you can help me to stop doing the things you know, you know, I know I shouldn't be doing. And if you can help me, Lord God, I'm yours. And kind of made a little deal there. And, and man, I tell you what, ever since that day, that commitment, you know, it, uh, God has just overwhelmingly blessed my life in so many ways. It's been so tremendous. And it just, at first it happened in small steps. And then as I was faithful uh, to him, he just kept on blessing me and, and, uh, and, and taking, taking these sins away I struggled with for so long. And all the pain from the past and, 
and gave me just a sense of hope and freedom, even though I was getting ready to go to the Gulf War. And so that was August 18th, 1990, and I gave my heart to Jesus, and I left for the Gulf War in December, uh, December 1st of 1990. Anything I could ever do, you know, as I look back, you know, at my life and as I look at everything, you know, playing here in the, in the you know, Division I CIF Championships, you know, for Fountain Valley in 1988, going in Marine Corps and being company honor man and graduating, you know, uh, number one out of about uh, 180 Marines, going to Operation Desert Storm, coming back from that and being asked to carry the brigade colors flag for my unit, which is about 5,000 Marines. And uh, the first time I got to see my family was, you know, carrying a flag in front of this, these troops. Uh, being promoted to every rank in, in the Marine Corps, you know, uh, any financial success, that the birth of my beautiful children. I love my kids, and and the and the wedding uh, with my beautiful bride Kimberly when I married her. I mean, nothing compares to, to to that day, that awesome time when I made that commitment to Christ, because He's allowed all those blessings that I've talked about to happen, to to be a part of my life. No achievement I could ever make on a human standard could compare to that night. And I'm not just saying that from a trivial perspective. I mean, it, is, it has been monumental. I mean, he pulled my, my family out of the mud and mire. God did, and he set us on a rock. And Psalms 40 is my favorite psalm. You know, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, and him a praise to our God. I mean, God, God changed my family. And it's not, it wasn't just a self-help deal. You know, my dad tried to do it so many years on his own, you know, and all the self-help stuff and never worked and tried to do it on his own. It wasn't until Christ captured our hearts that he transformed my family. And now, because of that, my whole family walks with the Lord. My dad actually was, I got back from the Marine Corps, and I was asked to be a counselor at a camp. And uh, that, that small church said, why don't you come out and be a counselor at, at camp, Greg? I said, there's no way, man, I can't. I can't do it. I'm going to cuss at the kids or something. I can't. I don't know enough about the Bible. I can't be a counselor. And he said, hey, Greg, come on up. It's only through the blood of Jesus that any of us are worthy. Come up to camp. So I went to that camp. After I got back from the um, Operation Desert Storm, I went to that camp. And just God captured my heart even more for, for a call to ministry, to work with youth. And it stuck me with all the kind of uh, the harder kids, I would say, that come from more of abusive homes and different, maybe uh, inner city that don't have a father. And stuck me with those kids, and I got along with them great. And just we had a wonderful time, and I could relate to them and the struggles they have with their families. And I knew that God had called me to camp. So I remember at that camp, it was, it was now a year after I've committed life to Christ, I was at a camp, and I remember giving a testimony to the kids there about how, about my story of my life and what God's done in my life, but how I, I needed the Lord to help me forgive my dad because I hated my dad for what he put us through. And I just remember talking to the kids and just, uh, just giving my first testimony and realizing, man, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to, I want to minister to people. And that same time, my dad was in El Cajon prison, and he got invited to a Bible study. And there was a revival going on down, down in El Cajon in San Diego. And, and uh, my dad, I didn't know at that time, that same summer camp I was asking forgiveness, he accepted Christ as his Savior on a prison Bible study. And he made a commitment to Christ, and I had no idea. Later that year, I got a call from the jail, and it was my dad. I hadn't talked to him in years, and he said, Son, I want you to come pick me up. I said, Ah, I didn't say this to him, but to myself, I'm like, I don't want to pick him up. Kimmy said, Why don't you go pick him up? And I said, uh, Okay, you know, let's, let's go down there. And as we started to drive down, and we started to talk about some of the positive things my dad was in our life, because even though he was addicted to drugs, he did try to 
to make ball games and tried to be a dad when he was sober, you know, but pretty soon that consumed him and, it, and he wasn't my dad anymore. And so we talked about some of the good things as we drove down. We picked him up and we get in the car and he tells me he committed his life to Christ, you know, and, I, and I'm saying to myself, okay, yeah, we'll see this. Because that one time early on he took us to church and I had just a, a negative perception of his commitment level, you know, so he needed to earn back kind of that. But I said, okay, so he actually moved in with my my girlfriend's parents and kind of got on his feet and God had captured his heart. He started speaking at men's breakfasts, speaking at Alano clubs, at uh, alcohol anonymous meetings. Then that next year, he uh, actually came up to camp with me and was a security guard and we gave our testimony together as father and son for the first time. And it was just tremendous, you know what I mean? Only, only God the Creator could do that, could save a family in such an amazing way um, as he did, as, as he did to, to my family and brought us together. You know, it's been amazing what, what the Lord has done in my family. I come from a, a, a word that's been overused a lot, a dysfunctional family, and we were dysfunctional to the core. And it wasn't until I took the step at, at an invitation to come to a harvest crusade and listen to the words of Greg give uh, just the simple message of Christ to me and coming forward and saying yes to a relationship with Jesus, because that's what it's about. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship. And saying yes to that, and ever since I made that step, that commitment, it's just been amazing what God's done. He's blessed my life. Sure, there are struggles, but there's a new perspective to look on it. I have a God that wants to be there for me and help me, and I can pray to, and that provides. And it's just, it's a whole different world. It's just amazing to see now that uh, when I go over to my dad's house now for Christmas and we get together as a family, that now I can pray with my dad. I can laugh with my dad. I can talk about life with my dad. And we talk about the past and all the struggles that we've been through and talk about the amazing things that God's done in our lives. And as he gets on the floor with my five kids, my daughter and my four boys, and I see him playing, you know, how can you ever replace that? How can you ever look at that and say there is no God? I mean, it's amazing what we've been pulled through and to see God working through the hearts of, of myself and my dad and changing our lives and able for him to love my kids and hug them. And my dad, he picks up my kids and he looks at him and he says, my heart goes to your heart. And every time I see that, it just reminds me of God's unconditional love for us. That if he could save a family like the Monk family and all of our dysfunction, he can save anybody's. And uh, everybody in my family, immediate family, walks with the Lord. My mom, my dad, my two brothers, they've all come to know and give a profession in Christ. And it's not because of anything, but because of what God's done and His work in our lives. Now, I thank God for Harvest Crusades and for the message uh, that Greg Laurie uh, gives every week and every year at these Harvest Crusades. And the message of hope and of a real relationship uh, with God that can transform lives. And if it wasn't uh, for Harvest Crusade back, you know, 15 years ago now, um, wow, it's just, uh, I don't know where I would be. And I just thank God for the opportunity to commit my life to Christ and that He is being used by the Lord to, uh, to convey that message wherever He goes. Can Jesus make a difference in a life? Greg Monk's life was changed, as well as that for his entire family. And on podcast four of this Harvest Crusade series, you heard Craig Patchett's story. Listeners to the LifeSpring podcast have heard my story in the episode entitled, The Man Behind the Microphone. My point is that every believer in Christ has a story to tell. If you're wondering if Jesus can really make a difference in your life, the answer is yes, no doubt, do it. You'll never look back and you'll never be sorry. 
Check out knowgod.org right now. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D.org. There is lots of information there on how to make Jesus a part of your life and how to learn more about him. You can tell of your decision and even get one of those free Bibles that we mentioned earlier. Now, if you're already a believer and you'd like to help support Harvest Crusades by putting a Bible in the hands of a new believer, check out harvest.org STW. You can subscribe to Harvest Ministries podcasts at harvestpodcast.org. That's all one word, harvestpodcast.org. In addition to that, the Godcast Network has many family-friendly and Christian podcasts you can subscribe to at godcast.org. And the weekly podcast I host, the LifeSpring Podcast, can be found at lifespringpodcast.com. And don't forget, subscribing to all of these podcasts is always free. And lastly, to sign up for Pastor Greg's free daily devotional via email, visit harvest.org devotional, and you can email Greg directly at greg at harvest.org. Well, there's one more podcast in this series, and it will be hosted by Craig Patchett, founder of the Godcast Network. This podcast wraps it up for me. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Harvest Ministries for inviting me to be a part of this history-making endeavor. Nothing like this has ever been done before to my knowledge. I want to thank Pastor Paul Eaton for getting the ball rolling. And I'd like to thank Brendan Stark for all the technical and logistical help and everyone else at Harvest who had a hand in making this a completely enjoyable experience for me. A special thank you goes to Pastor Greg Laurie for having the vision to include podcasting in this year's Harvest Crusade. As he said in the first podcast of this series, he's committed to embracing the technology whenever it can help spread the good news of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Pastor Greg. Oh, I love technology. <laughs> Craig Patchett of Godcast.org, thank you for inviting me to the party too. Harvest made the first contact with you, and I appreciate your generous offer to include me. Your friendship is a treasure to me. To you, dear listener, I... I hope that you've enjoyed this series, but more than that, my prayer is that you've been inspired to a deeper relationship with the one who loves you unconditionally and who gave his life for you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to check out my weekly podcast, LifeSpring, at lifespringpodcast.com, where I am your host, Steve Webb, and I'll see you next time. May God bless you richly. <laughs>